0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: You're listening to BGN Radio. Why would you listen to any other Eagles (laughs) podcast with John Stormis and Brandon Lee
2: Gowell? Hello, Bleeding Green Nation, and welcome back to BGN Radio. This is episode number 76. I'm John Stolnes from BleedingGreenNation.com. You can follow me on Twitter, at John Stolnes. Coming up, we're going to go over the last practice the Eagles had with the Ravens this week, uh, the two-day joint practice session that the Eagles had with Baltimore. A lot of interesting stuff came out of that. And really, that is probably the preseason right there because uh, that's where all the starters got to match up with uh, an opposing team's defense and offense. and so. Uh, Uh, We'll hear a little bit about that. We'll get a look at the uh, latest injury report for the Eagles as they head into preseason game number three against those very same Ravens on Thursday night. Joining me, as he does every week, is the man behind BleedingGreenNation.com. May he forever reign, Brandon Lee Gowton. You can follow him on Twitter, at Brandon Gowton. BLG, how you feeling, pal? Right ahead of uh, preseason game number three.
1: Preseason game number three, usually the quote-unquote dress rehearsal game. Yeah. The game where... Your starters play for about three quarters, typically, at least the first half. Usually, not probably going to happen this week. And really, around the NFL, not really happening anymore. The thing I'm most looking forward to on Thursday night is the game being over and only one more preseason game being in the way until regular season starts on Uh. September 8th.
2: It's so long, man. It's so long. These preseason games, this this four-week preseason schedule, we talked about it the last time you and I spoke on a previous uh, BGN radio last week, how this just takes forever. But really, uh, because none of the starters are going to play, we're not going to see Carson Wentz uh, in this third preseason game, uh, we're not going to see a lot of the starters in this third preseason game. Really, the practices against the Ravens this week, I think, were the best thing to watch. And it's a shame that that you were one of the select few. I mean, I don't mean it's a shame that you were one of the people who got to see it. It's a shame that we all couldn't see it, that it wasn't, uh, that it wasn't televised or made available to the public to see. But uh, we're going to get your thoughts on that because we want to hear what went down in the second day of those practices. Uh, you and uh, Michael Kisp talked after uh, the first practice for BGN 75. But first, before we get into that, I need to I need to issue a, a mea culpa here, uh, BLG. I said something really dumb the last time we, you and I spoke. Um, it was about Carson Wentz playing in the preseason, and I said I thought I would have felt better if Wentz got a little action in in this third preseason game, like uh, playing a half of uh, of this preseason game, three quarters of this preseason game. I was wrong. Man, was I wrong blg this was that was a terrible idea why didn't you talk me out of it you just let me go and you let me spin that nonsense around and it went up into the air and other people who have brains heard it and me i'm a the mindless idiot talking about carson wentz should play in the preseason of course he should not play in the preseason um and he's not going to play in the preseason as you mentioned but you were right i was wrong blg what made you change your mind uh the Cody Kessler injury mm. and um basically the fact that uh, you you can't the Eagles have not been able to keep any of their quarterbacks healthy here in the preseason and i it started to occur to me you know yeah you're down at the time they were down to Carson Wentz and Clayton Thorson and i thought to myself yeah it's probably best if we basically put him in some kind of a stasis chamber and f- don't let him get anywhere near any of these preseason games now he could have gotten hurt in one of the practices against the Ravens. You know, there's they weren't t- they weren't tackling to the ground the first day, were they, BLG? But were they tackling to the ground in the second day at all? Neither day. Yeah. So I mean, you're gonna you have less of a chance of getting injured if if that's not happening. But. Um, you know, that, that being said, that was a dumb thing to say. I think what it came from BLG was you've gotten a chance to see Carson Wentz in practice, you know, so you can, you've been able to see how he looks. I haven't been able to see Carson Wentz yet since the, since the end of last season. And I'm going to have to wait until week one. And I think a lot of where that was coming from was I would feel better personally Seeing Carson Wentz play because I haven't had a chance to see him yet, but obviously the coaches have Doug Peterson has the the beat reporters yourself included have. So if y'all tell me he's ready to rock and roll, then my bad. Keep Carson Wentz on the sideline and he will not play at all. This preseason, correct? I,
1: th- I think that's a good point, John. I think uh, where you're coming from with it, I, th- I think that's like a totally fair thing to say. Like the fact that like you, I'm, I'm talking as you now, like, I me, haven't personally yeah, yeah. seen him. Mm-hmm. I need to see him. I get yeah. that. Um, I get that. I disagree with that, obviously, as a whole other, sure. but I understand where that's coming from. And let me tell you, John, that for as good as Carson Wentz didn't look so much on Monday, although I start I, I think he started to come on uh, as the practice kind of went along. He was he, he finished stronger than he started, certainly, on Monday's practice. And again, like the Ravens have a very talented defense. They're secondary, especially, you know, with Earl Thomas and Marlon Humphrey, who's looking really good. Like they, they have a lot of talent on that side of the ball. So it's not just like Carson Wentz is struggling, you know, against a bunch of backups or, or like scrub players or whatever. Like he was being challenged by a legitimately good unit. Now, of course you want to see him beat out that unit and that's kind of what he did on during uh, Tuesday's practice, his final practice against the Ravens where he really just was more locked in than he was on Monday. And even on Monday, he didn't like throw any interceptions or anything. So it wasn't like terrible by any yeah. means, but he just wasn't sharp like that. There was a lot of incompletions. It just seemed like the Ravens defense was being really stingy and not allowing much that changed on Tuesday's practice. Um, you know, he had a deep throw, which is great to Mac Hollins. Unfortunately, Mac Collins dropped it, didn't finish it. <laughs> but, you know, still it was a really good throw. Uh, Carson made a number of good throws on that day. And it was good to see, you know, against a really good defense. And it's also really good to see a really good defender And Earl Thomas after practice telling NBC Sports Philadelphia that Carson Wentz, And and basically, in not so many words, Earl Thomas said that, you know, Carson Wentz is among the elite quarterbacks in the NFL. And Uh, Earl Thomas, I think, is a guy who kind of just doesn't like BS. Like, he's not one of these guys who just says anything. And it's not like, well, I didn't see the question exactly what they asked, but I don't think it was so much as like, is Carson Wentz an elite quarterback? And it's like, okay, what's he gonna say? No, Um, and and some might, (laughs) but he kind of said it on his own. So I think that's, you know, that's legitimate praise. That's legitimate respect. And in fairness, Carson Wentz, as I said, kissed on Monday. Like he threw a pass over Earl Thomas's head that got completed to Alshon Jeffrey. So you know he did get beat by Carson yeah. Wentz in practice. So that's just that's not just fluff there. Um, so yeah, overall encouraging to see really the offense kind of bounce back after not looking great on Monday. Uh, they definitely picked it up. Like you said, John, like that was kind of their dress rehearsal. That was their preseason game this week, really, for the yeah. first team. I don't suspect we'll see much of the first team, if at any, really, uh, in this game, just like we haven't seen in the preseason to this point. Maybe the defense plays like another series or two, kind of like they did against the Jaguars before getting out of there. I don't know, um, but I'm really not expecting to see the offense.
2: No, and, and at this point, nor should you. I mean, it's they, they really don't need to do the preseason anymore. The preseason, as we talked about last week, just needs to go away. They don't really even need to play any preseason games, I don't think. I mean, they're talking about shortening shortening it to two. Why, I mean, why play any preseason games except with the exception of the gate? You know the owners want to have those those extra gates and 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 get that extra cash, but you would think that there'd be a way to to make them whole if they decided to get rid of those preseason games because it doesn't sound like any of the teams are really interested. And and I think it's different now, BLG too, because you don't have cutdown weeks anymore. You have one cutdown day to fifty three, whereas in in previous weeks you kind of needed to see certain guys because you you had cuts to make every week or every two weeks or something like that so just the nature of the game is 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 different but let me get back to Wentz here for just a second because I was reading a lot today about how he has been really staying more in the pocket here in the preseason and in the Um, in the practices and especially against the Ravens not a lot of running around outside the pocket not a lot of playmaking outside the pocket there was a criticism of him last year that he he didn't get around he wasn't as mobile as he was in in 2017 but from the sound of it it's it's not it's not as though he's he's limited in what he can do but that he's better in the pocket now that he's able to make quicker decisions and that he doesn't need to run around quite as much is that the vibe you get as well
1: yeah I don't put a lot of stock into this whole story I think like it's just a little bit too much might be being made of this the, the way i look at it as why is carson gonna run around in practice like no one can hit him what what's he benefiting from like when he's taking <laughs> yeah. off running after you know what i mean like and i think it's funny when you see this in practice in an environment where like you'll see these quarterbacks run to the sideline after there's nothing there after in a real game they probably would have been sacked already or hit or whatever and like they run out 10 yards to get the first down and then, like, some fans in attendance at practice, like, some of the ticket holders who get to come to Eagles practice will, like, start applauding. And it's like, that's not a real game play. Like, that, that, that wouldn't happen in a yeah. game. He'd get lit up or, like, it, you know, he, he wouldn't have that much time. So, I look at that as, like, it's just not something that's really realistic. Like, I don't – he doesn't need to practice that. You know what I mean? You don't need to practice, mm-hmm. like, improvisation. Like, that's not – how improvisation works like you improvise so I don't think that's like going away from Carson Wentz's game I think you know working from the pocket is something that he can do do so more in practice and I don't think just because he's been doing that means the other part of the game is like just going away all of a sudden we're not going to see that I still think we're going to see that I just think you know he's working on what he can realistically in practice and that is you know operating from the pocket I haven't seen him run much I did see him run like once against the Ravens and that did make me think like okay It's probably, like, one of the very few times I've seen him do that this offseason. But, again, like, that just doesn't necessarily mean he's not going to do it in a game. I just don't – like, what is is the purpose of that play serve in practice where Carson holds onto the ball forever and then runs – for like 10 yards where no one can hit him you know does he really need to practice that like that doesn't like to me that just doesn't accomplish much so i don't i don't put a lot into that you know i think it'd be better to like force a throw almost because it's practice like who cares like yeah. you're, you're back yeah. to anyone to see if you can do it whatever like it's it's not that big of a deal Um, so I don't put a ton into that running thing. I think that kind of becomes a bigger story than it is like, Oh, is Carson Wentz changing his play style. I just, I don't think he is. And he was very adamant about that last year that he wasn't going to and injury, you know, kind of prevented him from playing exactly like he did in 2017. But with him being healthy now, You know, I expect he's still going to, you know, I'm sure, you know, he wants to be smart about it and there's times to get rid of the ball quicker. I I think that could be a focus. But again, I just don't see like, uh, it's not like we're going to see Carson Wentz neutered and he's never going to, you know, hold on to the ball and extend plays anymore.
2: Right. And I think it's, you know, this also has to do with the fact that these aren't real games, like you said, but, and, and you know we're not going to have an answer to this question until week 1 because he's not going to play in in game he's got practices so i guess this is one of the re- this is one of the things that people would point to to say you know this is why it might be good to play in a game but like we now know the negatives far outweigh the positives that you would get i don't even want to see you don't even need to see him running around in a, in a preseason game so um, but hearing that Carson and Alshon Jeffrey, you know, making connections at practice, and that's encouraging because there just has always seemed to be, you know, I think uh, Nick Foles had more success with Alshon Jeffrey than 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 Carson did in 2017 and especially 2018. Um, so hearing that those guys are are connecting uh, this offseason has has been good to hear. What about the new guy, Josh McCown? How how did he look on Tuesday, BLG?
1: Yeah, so Tuesday I guess was really Josh McCown's first like. It was definitely the most work he's gotten, obviously since first signing on Saturday. Uh, Sunday he really only did part in seven on seven, and on Monday I don't even remember if he got eleven on eleven. If he did, it was very short. On Tuesday, though, he did get like a legitimate or decent amount of eleven on eleven work with um, the second team offense, and he looked good out there. He looked sharp. Uh, he made three really nice throws, like back to back to back on one series there. Um, he had a nice completion on a post to a diving Alex Ellis. He made a really nice catch on the ball. Kind of just floated it right to only where he could get it. The defender couldn't get it. He had another nice throw to JJ Arcega-Whiteside, and then he hit Corey Clement on a little swing pass that was that went for like a decent gain against the Ravens defense. So uh, looked good. You know, looked like he wasn't confused like and which is nice to see for a a new player just coming into the system not totally shocking you know it's a 40 year old vet uh he's been around the block before i'm sure he for as much as you know he doesn't know this offense necessarily specifically you know he he knows a lot of nfl offenses he's had to learn a lot of nfl offenses so um this is not new to him this process of picking things up kind of interested to see if we're really going to see him in the game at all like i'm not sure 100 percent sure we will i think there's a chance And I think it could be nice to get him a drive. Now I say that and also fearful that, you know, watching (laughs) his unveiled and Cody Kessler get down, but you know, it's a little bit different in the sense of like, he hasn't, you know, he's, he hasn't been in football. Like he hasn't been doing football activity. He was getting ready to be on ESPN. So I think it could be nice to get him like a series or two and actually get him some reps just because he hasn't had many this off season, you know, as opposed to the other players who don't need to play in preseason like Carson, because they have had those practice reps. So, um, I'd like to see him for a little bit, see what he can do. Very, 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 very small sample size from Josh McCown. But from what I've seen so far, so good. He looks like, you know, he looks competent.
2: And it sounds like Clayton Thorson picked up where he left off after his uh after the second preseason game. Who else on offense looked good before we before we turn it over and, and, and talk a little bit about the defense's work from Tuesday? Yeah,
1: Clayton Thorson has really had like a interesting trajectory here. Looked terrible in practice for the entire offseason, basically. Did not look Any good in the first preseason game. Zero passer rating. Then didn't even look that great after the first preseason game. And he barely took any reps before that second one. Uh, And all of a sudden, he gets forced into action in the second preseason game. And he looks pretty decent. Um, And then he turns in his best week of practice leading up to this Ravens game. So all of a sudden, like Clayton Thorsten has hit his stride. And the funny thing is, like it might not matter. Because he's probably not going to make the team anyway assuming the Eagles don't keep four quarterbacks, which I'm guessing they wouldn't. So it's kind of just like an interesting path he has taken to where he is now and, and where he might ultimately end up, end up, which I think would be the practice squad. So um, interesting little journey for him there as he goes along here. Definitely want to see if he can build on what he did last week or he kind of goes back to the Week one struggles like he had against the Titans. Um, as far as other players who look good on offense, I mean, I don't think anyone's really dominating the Ravens by any means. And again, part of that just goes to their defense. Didn't see Deshaun have a super huge day. Same thing for Aguilar. Like, those guys are fine. I don't think anyone super struggled against the uh, their defense there. But I didn't really see anyone particularly stand out. The running game, I thought... Um, didn't really do much against the Ravens. And part of that, like, I feel like it's hard to gauge. It's a practice setting. It's not like a real game. Like, just runs in practice obviously look, like, way different than runs in the game, especially when there's no tackling. Um, Yeah. So it was kind of hard to gauge in that sense. I think the offensive line in general, like, did a pretty good job protecting Carson. I think Carson did a good job of stepping around pressure. And, again, that's another hard thing to gauge because they can't really sack him. But, yeah, I don't think there are any, like, super – standouts in terms of, like, this one guy was just killing the Ravens as much as, like, Carson looked good on that second day, and the offense as a whole was having, like, moderate success.
2: On the defensive side of the ball, BLG, not hearing a lot about what's going on over there because I think it just feels like most of the positions there are settled, but obviously there's some injury issues at linebacker and and, and cornerback. We're going to get to the injuries here in just a second, but um, how did the the Eagles' defense look against a a guy in Lamar Jackson who is obviously not going to be playing a a typical – professional-style offense. They're going to be doing some version of the Wildcat this year because he's such a prolific runner. So, I mean, it's not it's not a test against a prototypical NFL quarterback. He's definitely doing something very different than what the rest of the NFL is doing. But uh, overall, how did the defense look on Tuesday?
1: Well, John, Vinnie Curry picked off Lamar Jackson. So if you're Wow, a Ravens Vinny! Fan, and it wasn't a tip ball, by the way. It wasn't like, you know, a pass got tipped up to the line of scrimmage and then Vinnie caught it. Like, no, it was like... Throwing right at Vinny Curry, so uh, not the best sign from Lamar Jackson there. Lamar Jackson did have some good moments in practice. I'm not going to say he was all bad, but um, he certainly did not finish on a strong note against the Eagles' defense. I think the Eagles' defense kind of got the best of him as practice was winding down on Tuesday. Um, So if I'm a Ravens fan, like you know, I don't know. I don't know how I'm feeling about Lamar Jackson. I think I see some good things and I'd be excited, but I also think I see some things that. You know, kind of make me a little bit nervous. But as far as the Eagles defense goes, they were going to get carved up earlier in practice on Tuesday, especially in the red zone. Like they had a really hard time covering the Ravens tight ends. And now the Ravens have some good tight ends, but like still, I mean, they were it wasn't even looking difficult for the Ravens offense. So Mm. and I saw Malcolm Jenkins and Ryan McLeod kind of talking to each other after some of those series. So it seemed like there were some kind of communication issues there. Looked like there was some frustration to something they kind of have to iron out there. I have, like, two main thoughts on the defense here as we enter the 2019 season. And one of them is that there's definitely some concern when it comes to the injuries uh, going on with this defense. Like, Fletcher Cox, you know, isn't back yet. Um, Nigel Bradham said he's not close to being back in 11-on-11, even though he returned to 7-on-7 this week. Uh, I don't know. He didn't seem, like, super convincing when he was asked if he's going to play Week 1. So, potentially, you're down with your top two linebackers in Week 1. If Bradham doesn't play, since Kamu was hurt, and then that injury itself, Kamu being hurt, who else am I missing? Round Darby is back in eleven on on eleven, but like, and I think he's progressing towards week one, but you know he's still coming off injury. Rodney McLeod coming off injury. There's Craven LeBlanc. Craven LeBlanc isn't going to be ready for a while. So there's a number of guys banged up in the defense. There might be someone I didn't mention that you're probably saying if you're listening in your car or wherever you are right now. Like there's the point being there's just a bunch of guys who are banged up on that side of the ball. And it just kind of makes me think about how, like, Brandon Graham, you know, was hurt last year. Uh, He didn't miss any playing time, but he wasn't himself. Like, he wasn't 100% Mm -hmm. until later in the year and I almost wonder if we're going to see that with the defense. Now, that's my main thought. Like, that's the concern aspect of it. The second part is, like, defense doesn't matter a ton, in my opinion, for this team. Like, that's not going to be this team's calling card. That's not their identity. Like, this isn't a team that's, like, trying to win with their defense like the Bears were last year or, you know, the Broncos were in years past or the Seahawks. Like, that's not this team's identity. Now, ideally, you want to have a good as possible of a defense. I don't deny that. But I just think, like, it's always been a clear and it's always been apparent with the way the Eagles have it, invested in this offense. Like, they're going to have to be, you know, the unit that wins games for this team. Like, if, if the defense... Can just be respectable and make some big plays. You know, get some turnovers, get the offense some favorable field position here and there. Like I think that's enough. Uh, if they can generate pressure, which I think I still feel decent about that. Like I believe in this defensive line, probably more so maybe than even at the beginning of camp. Given the way like shalin Hall is coming on and the great offseason that Timmy Jernigan has had. I know Fletcher Cox is out, but still, like I, I just think there's enough talent, and I think he'll be back at some point where they have enough here to be a respectable unit at the very least and for as much as some people do not like jim schwartz i think he has a track record as a good defensive coordinator so like i feel good enough about what's going on there that that unit isn't gonna like sink good performances Mm -hmm. from this offense but with that said like that puts the pressure on carson and this offense to really like live up to their end of the bargain and be this at least like top 10 offense. Like they have to, they can't be what they were last year. You know, they can't be like slow starts, um, really struggling to score points. Like they have to step it up. They have to live up to the hype.
2: No, there's no doubt about it. This is an offensive team, but I do think the Eagles have done themselves well and at least giving themselves some depth at these defensive positions. It's not, it's not phenomenal depth, you know, obviously being down Nigel Bradham and Kamu Gruja Hill at the start of the season is not what you want, but that's why you would not and got Zach Brown and LJ Fort and uh, TJ Edwards is a guy, the undrafted uh, rookie that they, that they signed to keep an eye on and a couple other guys too. And, you know, going out and getting Sandejo, Uh hopefully, you know, hopefully McLeod is, it seems like McLeod's going to be ready to, to start the season, but you've got Sandejo there to act as a little bit of backup. And we all know how many cornerbacks that they have. So, uh, and with, with Cox, obviously Fletcher Cox needs, needs to be okay. And we're all just kind of like putting a, a hope on a wing and a prayer that Fletch is going to be fine because he's the best of, defensive player on the team. I don't know if he's more important than Malcolm Jenkins necessarily, but he's the most talented defensive player on the team and they really need him in the middle of that lineup uh in the middle of that defensive line to to wreak some havoc. But like you said, it's going to be on the offense to to power this team in the early going. So Uh, When we come back, we're going to take a quick break, but we're going to preview the Eagles-Ravens preseason game number three. Yeah, not many of the starters are playing, but we'll talk about the players that uh, we are most interested in watching on Thursday. That's up next here on BGN Radio.
0: Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. And we're back on
2: BGN Radio. So, uh, BLG and I are going to preview the Eagles Ravens preseason game number three coming up here on Thursday. And uh, sounds like Jason Peters plans to play a full half of football, BLG. Are you surprised by that? I was kind of surprised to hear that. I,
1: I don't know what that quote is. I don't, I don't, like, I almost <laughs> don't believe him. Like, I don't know if like, that doesn't make any sense to me. Like, no, I don't, none. I don't even think he's going to play at all, honestly. Like, I'm not, I don't know what that was. I, like, maybe he just said that and, like, wasn't thinking or like, I, I have no idea what that, that just doesn't sound right to me. Like that doesn't pass like the sniff test at all. So, and why would he need to? He, he, it's Jason no, Peters. Yeah. He's 37 years old. Like, why would he need to play a half of football? Like, it's one thing if he was going to play, you know, like a drive or two, even then I don't need see the need for that. But like, okay a half an entire half <laughs> like no what are we doing here give those reps yeah. to andre dillard
2: no i agree man i i don't see any reason for jason peters to play especially since wentz isn't going to be in there you know if you've got wentz playing in there i i would like to have my best left tackle in there for when wentz is in there but sure. I, I don't want to see mccown get hurt or anybody anything like that if if mccown plays or, or whatever but yeah if if wentz isn't playing there's absolutely no reason for for jason peters to play and i I've, i'm excited to see andre dillard he's he's probably the the number one player out most interested in seeing. Now, I wanted to get your take about the the sack last week that gave Cody Kessler the concussion because I saw everybody all the analysts that I saw online and I watched it on 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 video myself and Doug Peterson after the game seemed to absolve Dillard of any blame, but I went on the WIP morning show on Friday morning and and Hollis Thomas was ripping into Dillard saying that it was his fault. And listen, man, Hollis Thomas played NFL football, you know. I so saw I I kind of at the moment I was like, "Okay, man, you know, I'm just telling you what everybody else is saying, but you know, I was wondering what you thought about that play about Dillard and and the way the the way the offensive line has played so far here in the preseason.
1: Yeah, I, I see your Hollis Thomas and I raise you a Trey Thomas, you know, our, <laughs> our good friend Trey Thomas, who has been on BGN radio before, uh, and Trey was breaking it down why it was not Andre Dillard's fault. I, I just think it's apparent. Like Dillard, like Cody, and I think Cody Kessler even said it himself. And some people were like, oh well, Cody Kessler and Doug Peterson are just protecting his teammate. Like, no, I don't think that's the case. I think it was clear that Cody Kessler had to get rid of the ball there. They were empty, right? It wasn't like there was a running back in the backfield. It was yeah. like get the yeah. just get rid of the ball. Like, don't like. It, I think it seems pretty apparent to me. Like, what, what was Andre Dillard supposed to do there? Like, block two people at once or something? Like, I, I don't know what people wanted from him. I think that whole thing is silly, that people are getting mad at Andre Dillard. Like, if that wasn't Cody Kessler's mistake, I don't think Doug really would have come down on him like that. Like, that's that's pretty yeah. harsh. Yeah. Um, for yeah. Like, Doug, you know, is known for being a player-friendly coach, not throwing his guys under the bus. But he like he, he pretty much did with Kessler there. And I think part of that yeah. is because, like, it was an egregious mistake. It was, like, really bad. It was like, Cody, like you can't do that. You got yourself hurt. Hurt. And you also like made a teammate look bad because now everyone thinks it's Andre Dillard's fault, and it wasn't. Putting that play aside, and even admitting that that was Dillard's fault, which it wasn't. Like he still had an awesome preseason. Like, he's looked great. Oh yeah. So like I don't know what people are like so mad about. Like he's been really, really good. Um, even as a run blocker, like not, I'm not. I don't think anyone's mistaking him for like the best run blocking and tackle in the league, but like he's definitely held his own there. It's not like he's a liability in that regard, and who cares even <laughs> if he was? Like pass protection being much, much, much more important for this team and in this league. So I really like what I've seen from Andre Dillard. Really think Jordan Mylata is still very interesting. You know, twenty-two year old, super athletic, huge. He's not you know a finished product by any means, but you're still seeing like there's potential there to be developed. Disappointed in that prior having obviously his four penalties in two games so far, not great. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I don't think the coaching staff is like ready to give up on him, even though I think he has not been so good. I think they like his versatility in theory, even though, again, he has not been super good. You know, versatility doesn't mean much when you're not really great at different spots, as Michael Kis said. and uh, yeah, know, you're Right, exactly. Uh, recently. But yeah, so I think off the line as a whole. Oh, and the other thing I'll say is that Nate Herbig, who the Eagles basically put in at center last week and demoted Wiz from that role – um, and we saw that in practice this week as well. Like I think the team wants him to make the roster. And I think they're giving him mm-hmm. a chance to do that by putting him in there. Now, Nate Herbig had never taken center reps until like a couple weeks ago. And he already seems to be better, potentially, or at least not as bad as Wiz wow. was snapping the ball. Huh. Um, but I don't think Wiz makes this team, John. I think you, wow. you look at his salary and the Eagles can like, cut him to save, I think, what, like 1.5 or something and they can yeah. trade him to save 1.8. And that's not, like, th- the most money for this team. But still, like, why are you keeping him around if he's only a backup guard? Because you clearly can't trust him at center. And, like, he's costing you extra money, and he's really not even playing that well anyway. So um, I think Wiz might not be on this team week one, and maybe a guy like Nate Herbig steals his spot.
2: Wow, that's incredible. Well, I mean, and, and I know the team, they brought Wiz back, but... It didn't seem like they wanted him, uh, that, you know, he lost his starting spot last year to Sam Allo, and, uh, you know, Sam Allo outplayed him, so... Uh, it is would I guess it wouldn't be surprising in a way if they uh, if they chose not to keep Wiz, but uh, especially for for Nate Herbig, who nobody's nobody had him on a 53-man <laughs> roster coming into the preseason. Definitely fascin- fascinating, fascinating uh, turn. And uh, looking at some other players that we might be interested in, uh, BLG, you wrote a piece for BleedingGreenNation.com about the players that uh, you're keeping an eye on for the game uh, on Thursday. Um, why don't you give us a couple more, and then I'll, I'll give you a couple more of mine.
1: So I, I kind of already mentioned McCown. He's on there. Uh, I'll, I'll just quickly put Brett Toth, if mm-hmm. that's how you pronounce it, in there. I'm pretty
2: sure it's Toth. I'm pretty sure. He's
1: uh, uh, like an obvious one. They signed him last week. He came from the military. We know. I don't think we'll all be necessarily locked in a third string third string right tackle. But, you know, <laughs> whatever. He's out there. Thorson, I already mentioned, too. Uh, some of the guys I guess I'm most interested to see would definitely be Mac Hollins, just considering how – he dropped two deep passes this week in camp, which is, like, really frustrating because it's just like, come on, Mac, like, make 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 those plays, man. Like, yeah. he's getting open, you know? Like, we can at least say that, right? Like, he's, he's finding a way to beat the defense and be in position to make a play, but, like, he hasn't been able to finish it, so... That's frustrating. I want to see Corey Clement because I think he might actually play in this one. He's looking healthy. He's looking good in practice. I'd like to see him go out there and kind of look like the player he was as a rookie, Um, maybe even better. So I I hope we get to see those two guys. I hope we get to see, well, not really hope we get to see. We will see Josh Perkins. Um, and that's significant because Richard Rodgers is going to be out multiple weeks, according to the Eagles, with a foot injury. He got carted off, as we talked about on Monday. They're
2: talking about a Liz Frank, aren't they?
1: Uh, I don't know. Um, I don't. I haven't seen that. I, I haven't seen anything official yet for that. I think Derek Gunn said okay. plantar fasciitis. A
2: plantar fasciitis. That's what it was. I'm sorry. Yeah.
1: So I, like I don't know. I don't. So they might just. I don't know exactly what they're going to do on him because they could put him on injured reserve, and his season could be over. They could waive him with an injury settlement. I don't know what they're going to do. Um, But they need to figure out something for that spot because you need a third tight end if you're going to be running so many two tight end sets with Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz this year. So Josh Perkins has an opportunity uh, as an in-house guy to really step up and prove himself. Every time I say Josh Perkins, I think of Ann Perkins. I cannot, I cannot (laughs) not think of that. I I just had to say that. Like it's in my head every time I say it. Uh, I feel like I'm Chris Traeger just saying Josh Perkins. So uh, yeah, they need to figure this third tight end thing out like, is it Josh Perkins? Is Alex Ellis? Do you think they play? go
2: get another tight end, BLG? Well, that's
1: the other thing. Like, So they have their in-house guys. You know, Perkins, uh, Alex Ellis, Will Ty. So those guys have a chance to prove themselves in these next two preseason games here. But if there's an option better available on the waiver wire, like I don't think Howie Roseman going to be reluctant to get that guy. And there could be. like, There could be some guy who shakes free, who's like, you know, nothing super spectacular, but could be better than Josh Perkins um, and could be a decent option for you. Or they could do something where they trade like, I don't know, you know, like someone who might not make the team anyway or like like Wendell Smallwood, just for example, for like someone's tight end that probably wasn't going to make their team. You know, some kind of low-cost trade where you fill mm-hmm. that kind of spot. Um, They, they have to do something, it's, whether that's like figuring out if someone's good enough in-house. Obviously, Perkins was on the team last year, so they like him to some extent. Like they have to address that somehow. And then the last thing I'll say from these players I want to see is Deshaun Hall, baby, because that guy has been awesome in the preseason. He is dominating out there, and I want to see if he can keep it up. And if he can, like... How is he not going to get playing time? How is he not your fourth defensive end if he's just like dominating yeah. the preseason?
2: No doubt. I mean, that's he's the guy that everybody has been talking about as far as uh, the defensive line. And They really needed somebody to step up and and provide some depth along that uh, along those edge rushers. And Deshaun has been doing that in a big way, certainly more than than Josh Sweatboat. I'm what Josh Sweat's a guy I'm interested in seeing on on Thursday night because, you know, this is a game I think he really needs to play well. It's pretty clear that Deshaun Hall has. Has the edge on him right now for de four. Um, it you know I think sweat probably makes the team. Maybe as a maybe as de five if they keep you know if they go with five. Yeah. But I mean I, I, I mean I think he's I think he's safe. But you know he's got to show something here against the Ravens in, in this third game, or else I'm not. You know, he he's gonna lose that battle. Deshaun Hall has definitely had a, a better preseason than Sweat, so I'm interested in seeing in seeing Hall just like you, but I'm also interested in seeing Sweat seeing how he plays with the pressure really on his shoulders right now to to do something. Um I'm interested in seeing with, with the linebackers down, uh with uh with Bradham and Camu and both uh, they're at the beginning of the season in jeopardy for both of those guys. I'm interested in seeing TJ Edwards a little bit more. I I, I thought that was an interesting uh, undrafted free agent signing when they made it this offseason. Obviously, they made a lot of depth moves at linebacker this offseason. They wanted to have some more bodies in there than they did last year where it, they just had nothing. And I know Nate Gary might be a little ahead of him right now on the depth chart, BLG, but I think there's a chance Edwards could, could leap over, Gary, because everything I'm hearing and everything you've been reporting is that he has not Gary has not been impressive uh, this preseason, and he wasn't terribly impressive last year either. So I'm just interested in seeing whether or not Edwards has – has enough juice to make the 53, uh, especially with them down a couple of linebackers. Uh, Mark and Michelle has been electric in the preseason. Uh, interesting to see what whether or not he's able to find a way onto the team. Uh, and, you know, just for sheer entertainment I just want to see J.J. Arcega-Whiteside and Miles Sanders play a little bit. I don't know how much run those guys are going to get. Uh, If it's anything like last week, Sanders got, what, five carries and averaged a little over six yards a carry, something like that. might be something similar to that. Maybe they give Miles a a little bit more action, seeing as how it's the third preseason game. But uh, also would be interested to see how J.J. Arcega-Whiteside looks. I'm just, you know, those are the young guys you just drafted, you know, your two second-round picks. I want to see want to see some talent out on the field, you know, but eventually they're going to get into this third preseason game and you're going to be down to the guys who don't have nameplates in the locker room right now. And, uh, so it's it, that first half, hopefully seeing Dillard and Arcega-Whiteside and Sanders and, and, uh, and, and some of those other guys, uh, those are the guys I'm keeping an eye out for. In addition to a lot of the guys you mentioned, I, I agree. Corey Clement, I think is fascinating BLG. I think he can be a big producer for this team, like take the step forward this year that we thought he was going to take last year after that great l- end of season run and that Super Bowl performance, or, you know, is he going to, is he going to kind of fade away in the background in the running back situation? Because I think it's, I think the running back room is a really interesting one. Jordan Howard has been kind of quiet this preseason, although that's mostly by design. Uh, Miles Sanders has, has looked really good and you brought Darren Sproles back and, With Corey Clement, it's really a mystery where he fits right now, isn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, I feel like he's going to have some kind of role on this offense. Yeah, I do too. Um,
2: They're talking him up big.
1: He was getting a lot of first-team reps this week, um, which is interesting, you know, for a guy who has been hurt for most of the offseason, hasn't really practiced a ton, and all of a sudden he comes back, and even with Miles Sanders looking good and Jordan Howard, you know, being a guy who's established in the league and Darren Sproles, obviously, again, a player who is established in the league. Like, I think all four of these running backs, and I'm really hoping the Eagles only keep those four and not a fifth and Wendell Smallwood, because I do not see the (laughs) point of that. No more, please. Um, (laughs) But assuming it's those four, you know, I think they're all going to have roles. Now there's going to be different extents and some weeks, you know, might be like bigger than others. And I think Miles Sanders, Quite clearly, should have the most ultimately touches by the end of the year. Like I think it needs to reach that point where because he's just their most talented running back. Like that much is apparent. Yeah. Now, I don't. Again, he's not going to be a twenty game, twenty carry per game guy. That's just not how the Eagles operate. And I just don't think that's realistic in terms of giving him that workload out of the gate. But I mean, like he should be getting a lot of playing time. But you know, with that said, I don't think the Eagles are are kind of just going to completely not give the ball to Jordan Howard or Darren Sproles or Corey Clement. So I think all of those guys are going to have roles on the team. And we saw it in 2017. You know, like those guys had, you know, the guys at the time, Blunt and Smallwood at the time and um, Ajayi when he was around in. and Corey. Again, like they all had roles and sometimes, some of those guys had bigger games than the other guys. I think that's just kind of what it might be here. It's not going to be like Miles Sanders dominating the, the 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 stats every week after every single game. I mean, he could it could end up that way. He could end up being just a dominant and better than we even expect right now. But I just I don't think that's how the Eagles operate. Like it's always been this rotation system under Doug Peterson, and I think it's going to continue to be that. But I am excited to see what Corey can do because again, like I just. I feel like he looks faster than I remember and and that's that's like encouraging to me like that's yeah. that's something that I, I would love to see him bounce back because I know this team was so high in him heading into last year and then for whatever reason it seemed like it was kind of injury related he just he wasn't right. He was not the same player he looked like as a rookie, especially later in his rookie season when he was in the Super Bowl, and he was he had like over 100 yards receiving or yeah. over 100 yards receiving. Um, so it'd be great, it's like that's that's amazing. Like, if you can get Corey back healthy. And that that's just like another weapon for this offense. And maybe you don't even yeah. use them a ton, but like you have them and that's awesome.
2: Well, before we, uh, before we finish up here at BLG, I thought it would just be fun to just take a couple minutes for us all to laugh at the Cowboys. Well, since, since we have a, a couple extra minutes here on the podcast, you know, Hey, listen, hats off to the Cowboys. They finally signed one of their young stars to a contract extension. And we've been talking about it a lot. And they, they finally did it. BLG linebacker, Jalen Smith signs a five year extension. With the Cowboys, Jalen Smith obviously a very good football player, but uh, he's not the guy that everybody has been talking about. the The Cowboys needing to sign to an extension, and you wonder what this means for the the Dak extension and the uh, uh, the Zeke extension, and, and Zeke still holding out. It's uh, I know uh, Jerry stepped in it a little bit this week uh, when he talked about uh, when he was asked about uh, Ze- Zeke Elliott and the contract situation, he, he asked Zeke who, and apparently that didn't go over so well with Zeke's camp, and I just. I can't help but wonder with all of this turmoil going on in Cowboys camp and Zeke not being there. Zeke doesn't need a preseason in order to be ready for the regular season, but you wonder if all of this turmoil is going to submarine their season. These are so many stupid self-inflicted wounds, and 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 they're waiting. They, you know the fact that they haven't signed Dak to an extension yet, and and you've still got you know Jared Goff hanging you know out there too. Goff might sign before Dak and drive the price up even more. It's just. It's hilarious what's going on down in Dallas.
1: I would love that so much for just oh yeah the, the Rams just and they probably won't so I'm not expecting it to happen but I would just love for it to come out of nowhere where like the, the Rams <laughs> just give golf a huge extension because that gives Dak all the more leverage and his agent yeah. They're gonna be like no like we look at the stats you know those stats that Cowboys fans love to throw out there which don't include the context of like Dak having an amazing supporting cast and like everything going right for him when he peaked as a rookie and like, okay, so compare those stats to Goff and Wentz, and sure, whatever, he's better. Okay, then why aren't you rushing to pay him? Why aren't the Cowboys rushing to pay him? That's my big thing with this, and I tweeted it out. Um, some people thought it was a hot take. Cowboys fans were really mad about it. Um, some Eagles fans who are needlessly like fake objective were uh, maybe mad about it. <laughs> um, like, It's so clear to me that like, if this, if Dak was actually good as people thought he was, like, if all those stats you throw out there, most game winning drives, blah, 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 if that was all like legit and not just like circumstantial, then why wouldn't the Cowboys be like rushing yeah. to pay this guy?
2: It would have happened by now. It would have
1: happened by now. And really, the Jalen Smith extension is so like. Perplexing to me Not because they Re-signed him That's an obvious Decision Like he's a good Player But the timing Like Jalen Smith Was going to be A free agent Or sorry A restricted free agent After 2020 So the Calpies Really didn't have there's To pay no him No rush No at <laughs> all. And and I get the There's incentive To do it Because you do it now And you get him Locked in And for Jalen Smith You know You've had injury issues Like you want to Sign that deal now like, I, I understand that But still Like how can you Then go to Zeke And be like Well we're not Going to pay you Because you know You're not up For a year or two like, you know, because they can, the Cowboys can kind of, uh, because he has his fifth option next year, and then they yeah. can tag him after that. Like, how could you play hardball with him like that, when he's like, not even to mention, like, he's like the life force of your team's success. And like, how could you take that stance after just paying Jalen Smith? So, So to me, you know, that either says like, Zeke's going to get paid pretty soon because if they're not going to, you know, wait to pay Jalen Smith, like, are they going to make Zeke wait? Like, I just, I can't see that. In fairness, like, Zeke seems to be holding firm. Like, he wants that Todd Gurley money. He wants that, and he should get it. Like, he's been great. He's so important to their team, too. He has all the leverage when it comes to, like, Because that team is not going to do anything without him. Like, they're not going to be as good. We know it. We've seen it. We've seen how that team falls apart when they don't have that elite rushing threat to build around. And that's another thing, you know, working against Dak. And another reason I I feel like the Cowboys have been so hesitant to pay Dak. Because they know they have to pay him. It is the right decision to pay Dak Prescott. Because you're not probably going to get some other guy to come in and be as good. It's just not realistic. It's not um, a good strategy to do that. But at the same time, like... You know you're signing this guy and you know deep down and all you Cowboys fans who want to throw out these stats and pretend (laughs) that Dak Prescott (laughs) is better than Carson Wentz. And I know you listen to BGN Radio because it's your favorite podcast still. like You just know deep down that he is a limited player and the Cowboys do not win because of him. They just win with him there. He's a... He's a capable game manager, as he's proven to be, but he is not going to lead that team past adversity, just like he failed to do so in 2017, and he, he peaked. He peaked as a rookie. He has not been as good since. I know people are like, oh, but he has Amari Cooper now. Still, like the Cowboys last season, even when they had Amari Cooper, weren't actually as good as people think they were. They won a lot of one-score games. It was luck. Oh, you know as we and people are going to get mad about that oh you can't just say they're lucky yeah i can because one score games in the nfl historically are lucky you know a bad balance here and there to me cowboys clearly a team that is projected to take a step down this year i still think they're not gonna i don't think they're gonna be terrible all of a sudden depending yeah you know well if zeke doesn't play at all then i think they can be but um, you know i don't think they're going to be this like 4 and 12 team by any means but i think they're Gonna be much more around eight and eight, because I think that's kind of what team they are.
2: And Amari Cooper, by the way, who they gave up a a first round pick for, still has not signed an extension either. So yeah. there's not a lot of pie to go around there in in Dallas. And uh, Jerry knows that. Everybody everybody there knows that. And uh, how, it'll be interesting to see. How it. awesome
1: yeah. would it be? And I want to give credit to Florio who floated out this idea. Like, what if you know these guys like Zach. Uh, Or Zach, I'm combining Zeke and Dak, Zeke, (laughs) Dak, and Cooper, at least two of them. Kind of like, well, especially Cooper and Dak, because both of those guys, I believe, will be up after this year. They, What if they kind of made a bond together where they're like, okay, let's both not sign a contract until after this year. Because if they do that, then the Cowboys can only tag one of them. So that kind of puts, you know, the Cowboys mm. in a bad spot, like, either way. So one of those yeah. two guys is going to, you know, they're, they'll have even more leverage. I, I don't think it'll happen, but I would sure, man, I would sure love for that to happen. I would love, love, yeah. love for the Cowboys to be in a spot where um their players have all the leverage against him and they just have to <laughs> pay out a ton of money well,
2: and the eagles have their own situation with malcolm jenkins but that's kind of died down with jenkins in in camp and, and he wanted
1: to play and, in a preseason yeah, game last week
2: <laughs> yeah i mean that's just it's two totally different worlds right now between dallas and philadelphia so Uh, I'll be very interesting to see how things uh, shake out in Dallas with all these contract situations. All right, BLG, as we wrap up episode number 76, any final thoughts for the folks?
1: Uh, Just like I said, at the beginning of the show, you know, third preseason game coming up here. And then, you know, just one more to go after that. We'll obviously have a ton of final cuts coverage for you here on bleeding green nation. Those will take place 10 days from this recording on august 21st so that'll be uh before 4 p.m on saturday august 31st the last day of the month the eagles will be cutting down their roster to 53 and then after that of course they will be making the practice squad and then after that they'll be getting into week one baby washington week one at the link i don't need to give you my prediction right here now john but obviously this team is starting off the season One to know i think it's safe to say
2: I think the universe would be in agreement with you there. There's no way they lose Week One to to Washington, and I gotta say, as someone who listens to a lot of Washington talk radio, living here in the Northern Virginia area, they're not happy here either. So <laughs> they don't have any they don't have any illusions about what that football team is going to be facing this year. So yes, the Eagles obviously uh, should should feel pretty good about about Week One, and even if they get off to a little bit of a rocky start, uh, shouldn't encounter much of a much of an opponent uh, in the opening week of the season against Washington. Well, folks, that will do it for episode number 76 of BGN Radio. Again, uh, don't forget to follow BLG on Twitter if you don't already, but you probably already do. He's at Brandon Goughton. I'm at John Stolness on Twitter. Don't forget to check out BleedingGreenNation.com every day for the latest news and information there as well. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll talk to you all next time right here on BGN Radio. B-G-N